Fantasy NBA Hybrid Podcast brought to you by Jalen Woodsy, Kyle Stein, and Michael Kimball. We are here in week nine. It is an odd time in the world. Uh, the context is the pandemic. There have been um, lots of things said lately about the All-Star Game, about player agency, about team agency. And we're going to get into a bunch of that. Let's just get going with it. The All-Star Game, De'Aaron Fox called it stupid. And he was, uh, I believe, uh, referring to the idea that they would have an All-Star Game in which players, you know, in a pandemic, this extra game in a pandemic, um, he was saying that was stupid. LeBron has also come out and spoken against the All-Star Game. He called it a slap in the face, said he had zero energy and zero excitement for it. To some extent, that was um, his reaction to the early start to the season and then the All-Star Game being scheduled in. And uh, the Lakers haven't played, of course, all the way through last season, just the lack of rest uh, he and his teammates received um, last season and in the offseason. Where do you guys stand on this? Uh, should there be an all-star game? Should there not be an all-star game? Uh, no, uh, I don't think there should be an all-star game. Um, I feel like a lot of people on a lot of different podcasts have talked about this already. Uh, one of them being Dave Dufour, who said, I think quite well, uh, the All-Star Game is a luxury in normal yeah. times, um, under normal circumstances, and these are certainly not normal circumstances. Um, so for that reason alone, I think the All-Star Game probably shouldn't be happening, you know, um, you know, yes. I don't want to. I don't want to be exaggerative or over exaggerate or anything. Like people have thrown out the term "super spreader event," which I imagine it will not be because the NBA has a lot of money and ability to like institute um, practices that will prevent that from happening. Sure, um, they're they're upping their testing to combat that. So they're they're certainly being diligent. But I mean, just bringing so yeah. many people together, the travel. Um, you know, just doesn't seem great, both from a public health perspective and from a league perspective. Yeah. You know, if you want to look at it from the league perspective, and I think this is, you mentioned De'Aaron Fox and his comments, he essentially said there's a risk of, a, of potentially, you know, multiple teams having COVID outbreaks or getting, uh, being in contact tracing for extended periods of time because you've yeah. brought together the best players from each of these teams or from a number of the teams. So even just from like a competitive balance, even from like finishing the season, from that standpoint, you're like running a bit of risk there. And not yeah. to mention like the, you know, the public health risk of like the travel, I mean, the travel again, it's going to be private plane. So I guess, you know, you're, you're limiting that to some capacity, but you know, just, just people, you're just bringing people to a new <laughs> yeah. place. And I don't, to I an don't open think... city, a new place exactly, yeah, from yeah. all sorts of different <laughs> locations. And so you know, I, I think you've said it well. It's it's a luxury game, and it's added risk. Do we need to do this? And there are other reasons to not do it. Whether it's you know resting the stars of the league and giving them that time, um, you, you know, all positive from my point of view. And and also, let's not forget the All Star Game isn't a good game. When's the last good all-star game? I like the way they ended the last, you know, we, we, we've seen some good things in all-star games, but I don't need this game as a basketball fan. You know, I do believe that the last all-star game was excellent in 2020. You know, it was because when, of the when ending, LeBron, right? When it Team LeBron came, came back uh, and won 157-155, it was actually a, a tremendous fourth quarter. Sure. Um, I, I agree with you, though. I don't need the game. And um, in general, in most years, I'm not that excited for the, the, the All-Star game. The All-Star game, to me, is the reward that I get for the days that I haven't had basketball leading up to it. Um, and, you know, but on a more serious note, I really thought, you know, I was surprised that there was there wasn't more traction when LeBron responded yeah. rightfully. I think with such offense at um, yeah. you know the league really you know or Fox it, either it, one. It, I like I, I thought they both would have received more support. Yeah, well, but I just mean like about LeBron's. This is a couple of weeks ago that that happened, you know, and so the, and then yeah, it like yeah. died down, and it took De'Aaron Fox coming back now for the, the question to be like re-raised. It was like, all of a sudden it was like initial critiques are aside and we're just worried about fan voting and all this stuff. And all <laughs> right. the podcasts are talking about, you know, who are gonna be all-stars in these these things. Um, and, um, and 
and yeah, and so I, I honestly like I expected a little bit more like um, like introspection and circumspection um, by the league um, after that initial reaction from sure. the players, uh, and we just didn't get any of it. Why do you think we didn't get it? Um, I, I, I think the easy answer is pointing toward the 30, 40, 50 million, whatever this game is worth uh, to the league and its um, TV presenters yeah. and all that. I mean, that. I was going to say, I bet yeah. you it's a really delicate situation between the league and its television partners and yeah. understanding that league revenues are so tied to that. And we know that there was a huge cap spike um, because, you know, which I've, I've, criticized before in in, in, in in like the history of the league allowing Kevin Durant to go to the Golden State Warriors was a big deal but it also tells you how important the television deals are to the league revenue and to the bottom line and they you know I just I assume that those are just relationships that you just don't want to mess up and, and yeah it this, seems this like unfortunately is the result of it yeah, seems like the TV money runs everything and, you know, the league doesn't want to run afoul of their broadcast partners or television partners um, and risk, you know, sort of that contract being torn up. Um, yeah. It seems like, you know, I imagine Turner um, and the other broadcast partners like this is something that they want to have they need to have to bring in the money. Um, you know, this is the Turner thing and then ESPN has the Christmas Day. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it just seems like this is this needs to happen for the money. And, you know, some of the players have spoken out and seem to be, like sort of be nodding to that and have an understanding that like, hey, if we don't play, we get fined. Um, or, yep. you know, if everyone decides to sit out of this situation and boycott the All-Star game, the league could potentially lose a lot of money. And I think it's pretty clear that like the, uh, you know, even though even though they're speaking out against it, they're sort of like fulfilling a sort of professional obligation under these abnormal circumstances and you know you know i guess i guess we could say they're unwilling to like incur the fine or um yeah i guess incur the fine because presumably like if one person sits out it's not going to derail the complete right. uh the game completely because i don't think enough players you know feel that strongly enough about it to make it a total boycott right Right. And I think, you know, you get somebody like LeBron, I think, has gotten at that. I, I can't remember the exact quote, but it was something along the lines of, I'll be there physically. Yeah, <laughs> I also think it's a said. situation where, like, they all understand it's going to happen. They all understand yeah. why it's going to happen. So yep. they're pretty free to speak out about it um, because it's just like, yeah, like, we all know what's happening. We all know this is a bad idea, but, like, this is just the, the reality. Um, and, like, I mean, it's a question of, whether or not it has to be the reality and you know th these are much larger questions but sure yeah. well let's let's move from the more important questions to the more fun questions potentially in the east uh we've had our i can't remember second or third um uh, showing of the votes uh, uh have been released uh, in the east we have katie Giannis, and joel Embiid in the front court bradley beal and kyrie in the back court in the west we have lebron Jokic, Kawhi, um steph and luca in the back court um those are the yeah, easily the top vote getters right now there are a few others um who we can probably say are in but you guys tell me if i have this wrong in the east i think middleton tatum and brown bam and harden are probably in dame ad pg uh gobert and then uh his teammate uh, who's better than him, Donovan Mitchell, um, in the West. Uh, it leaves us a two spot. So that's 10 players on each end. It leaves us two spots. Uh, anybody you would like to see just in or anybody you see just out? Uh, Mark Stein had Hayward and Randall in in the East, Conley and Chris Paul in the West. Do you agree with those? Do you have somebody else? um run run the east just let's start with the east run the yeah. east back for me okay so yeah katie Giannis, and joel and then bradley beal and Kyrie. Okay. um and and i'm guessing middleton and tatum and brown are both in i think bam's definitely in i would i can't see them leaving Harden off so those are the next five yeah i mean yeah i guess the question is whether or not 
Harden makes it um, because I don't think yeah. he's going to make it as a starter, which means the coaches will be picking. Yeah, he won't um, get the starter votes, I don't think. So that probably hurts his case because, I don't know, coaches are the type to not exactly like you quitting on your team to get out of that. <laughs> sure. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It'll be a question of whether or not he makes it. I mean, yeah, Zach Levine, Trey Young, those are those are definitely guys that I think are on the fringes of making the team. I think yeah. I would probably Jimmy Butler. No, I don't know. I has not played enough. Yeah, I don't think he's played enough games. Um, Fred Van Vliet. Can you talk to me about what I'm seeing on CBS Sports? You know, there are tallies that that are listed as of February 11th, so I understand it's a few days ago. Okay. Um, But they have all these weird... I think that is the most recent tally. They have weird anomalies, though, where Christian Wood is listed as still being on Detroit, but is somehow in the Western Conference um, (laughs) All-Stars. Another, another, like, top vote-getter, almost as high as C.J. McCollum, is Alex Caruso. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I assume that that's... This is all fan voting. Uh, Yeah, Yeah, that's the fan I know it's fan voting, and it's it's L.A. fandom that's able to do that. but uh, but that is that's the most recent. What I'm seeing here. I mean, um, you can make an argument for Wood, though. Potentially, really, you, I don't yeah. think you can for Alex Caruso. Well, Clay Thompson was on the first was 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 uh, among the starters, I think, or one of the top ten vote getters in the early voting. Well, the first thing that I want to say is I want to see more votes for De'Aaron Fox. Um, you know, we were just talking. Yeah, Fox about him. is somebody that could definitely be in here. I would like to see him. I think he's um, got no he's, chance. He's got yeah, no chance. Yeah, There's too good. many good guards in the West. It's like yeah. Steph, Luca, Dame are just all guaranteed. Well, then Mitchell, Mitchell, and then it's a question of Mitchell, Booker, Chris Paul. Two well, or two of those three are probably in. Well, Conley, we can't like Conley's having yeah. a career. He's one of statistically, he's easy, like one of the top five players this year. If you look in the deep stats, yeah, I, I can't, I couldn't so, leave Conley I, off. How, yeah. how many guards? Or Chris Paul. There, there are twelve players per team, right? Twelve total. Um, it, how many I don't know if they have eight? a six. I want to. Is it a six-six breakdown? It's I'm gonna be pretty sure. close to it. I'm sure something like yeah. that. Um, in yeah, I don't know if there's positional requirements for the bench players. Yeah, they no. just there might not be. They just say front court, back court, and then yeah, they have to have some but balance. It, you know, a, a, a quick a quick proxy for it could just be: could we consider De'Aaron Fox among the top six? And the answer is probably no. You know, you got Curry, Luca, Dame, Donovan Mitchell. Devin Booker, Chris Paul, Ja, you know, that's already seven. And um, you still haven't mentioned Connolly, Conley. the top guard in the West. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, the, the, well, the funny reason, the reason for that, no, is I know, that, I'm just playing. That, the reason for that, though, is that the dude should get some votes because he's getting, he's not <laughs> yeah. even, yeah. He's, he's, he's getting bested right now by Lakers. Just saying, Kingdom, if you're looking Al- for Alex a Carissa. snub, there is your snub. The man yeah. is having a great, great. Yeah, season. it would be nice to see Mike Conley in the in the All Star game, and I think people who watch the Jazz closely have felt like he's been, you know, if not their best player, their second best player behind Rudy Gobert. Yeah. Um, and you know, he's kind of played better than Donovan than than Donovan Mitchell for most of the season. Although now that he's been out with his hamstring injury, Mitchell's kind of gone off since then. So right, I'm sure right. the recency bias will probably not hurt, <laughs> will not yeah. help his all-star case. Yeah, no doubt. Gobert is another one not on, on the list right now with fan votes. Yeah, he'll be in for sure. I feel like yeah, I think he's a him. yeah, he's a pretty standard reserve, I have to believe, but yeah. yeah. But also, you know, the guys we're talking about, somebody, you know um zion won't be on the list will they put zion in yeah. as a fan favorite is there any pressure to do that everybody wants to see him with those guys with the yeah. other top players the west is ridiculous it's gonna be tough <laughs> well what about ja do we get to put ja on the team anywhere yeah Shay? he's, he's missed a bunch of games the rosen's been incredible too yeah it's so tough. yeah there are, uh, yeah, a lot of interesting players that won't be there. Um, I mean, AD is injured, so maybe, you know, maybe there'll be spots will open up for guys true. due to injury. Someone is like McCollum AD. still injured? Yeah, McCollum's still out. Um, he's someone who would, I think, definitely would be a uh, shoe-in for the All-Star team as a reserve if he was still healthy. 
Yeah, I mean, he has one of the highest statistical ratings of any player right now. Um, could be yeah. a top 10 guy. So, uh, yeah, he, sh he should be in. But, um, yeah, some interesting questions. Um, uh, other people in the vote getting, I was a little surprised to see. Well, not that many. But Derek Rose at number eight among the guards. Colin Sexton, number seven among the guards in the East. <laughs> um Sex land, the sex land energy yeah. is strong in Cleveland. I don't, I don't know if he would have gotten there without the nickname, but uh, <laughs> I think it's going to happen. So, um, yeah, so those will be our all-star teams uh, if we do get there. Um, but let's go back to the more important questions now. Um, I want to talk, uh, uh, was it last night? I can't remember now. Uh, Draymond's comments about yeah. players agency versus team agency. Essentially, I'm oversimplifying there. But he called out the example of the Cavs sitting Drummond now that they've decided to trade him. The Pistons have also um, are sitting uh, Blake Griffin now that they decided to trade him. Setting that against uh, the example of James Harden um, asking for the trade with the Rockets and, you know, I don't think anybody would disagree that he dogged it, but he was crucified for that. And neither the Cavs nor the Pistons are being crucified for sitting Drummond or Blake Griffin here. So um, thoughts about player agency, team agency, better ways to do this. Can player agency be equal to team agency ever? Can we get to that spot? Because it's clearly unequal right now. Can it, we get there and it still be functional? Take any piece of that. Well, the one thing I thought about Draymond's, um, you know, the, I, I, I hesitate here because the, the, the tweet that I saw it in called it a rant. Um, and actually I, I tweeted a comment to it saying that the last thing we should be doing is calling it a rant. Cause I think that, that was falls pretty in, measured. Yeah, I think it was. And, and I think yeah. that, you know, that falls into the same kind of like double standard and double language that Absolutely. we have when we're referring to teams and to players. But um, in any case to, to the one thing that I was, I was wondering about when I was hearing Draymond's case is I, I actually like part of me wondered if it could have gone the other way um, in the sense that, um, you know, do we need to be criticizing the Cavs for not playing Drummond or what should we, should we really be going back and saying like when a player wants to be traded, it's all right if the player sits out. The player doesn't want to get injured in the same way that the team doesn't want a player to get injured, you know? Yeah. You, you don't want to diminish your, your trade stock at a moment when you It'd be a step you know, in the right direction if those right? were treated equally, right? I was just thinking like, you know, maybe there can be an actual like protocol for this. Like there, there is like, you know, you could basically like, you know, you sign a, a trade request and it puts you in a kind of like trade moratorium where you don't play and in the, the, you know, both players and teams under certain rules and stipulations and whatever we're going to need to do have like sort of, you know, um, agreed upon rights in this. Yeah. And, and then, um, you know, it can solve a lot of these problems, um, basically because, you know, to me, it wasn't, I don't take issue with the Cavs sitting Drummond or the Pistons sitting Blake Griffin. I think that that's actually, that's a reasonable move. And especially in a pandemic when like a lot of these players, you know, probably like not having to go out and play on the floor and not having to put yourself at risk in various ways, sure. it's probably just like a better thing in general, but also just in like the general scheme of like, um, you know, players sitting um, is, it's just simply less dangerous to their career in so many ways. Yeah. Like, I, I don't, I don't have an objection to that. It's the double standard that he mentions. That, absolutely. That is the problem. Yeah, Abs absolutely. Yeah. And, and that, I, I mean, I think you've partly solved it here. Like, if you could get that to, um, you know, Adam uh, in the office, uh, maybe we can make something happen. Yeah, I yeah. mean, you gotta believe. You gotta believe in formal agreements, you know. 
Yeah, I mean, I think I think you you laid it out pretty well. And like Draymond said, there is like a double standard when a player publicly asks for a trade. There, it comes with consequences. You get fined. Um, whereas when a team sort of publicly announces that they're looking for trade offers for you, that in the you know it doesn't have the same sort of consequences from the league, and it doesn't have the same sort of PR hit uh, to the organization. Um, so I mean, I think you know, obviously Draymond's getting at the power dynamics of a sort of like employer employee relationship and you know the, that the players are essentially the workers here and so that it's okay for management for the organizations to just say oh no you're done playing for a stretch of time but it's not okay for them to initiate that process on their own for much the same reasons right to avoid injury if they're coming up on um if, uh, without consequences i guess we i should qualify if they're coming up on a big contract as we saw some players sit out the bubble for that exact reason um and it came with like financial hits or whatever and you know i guess those are just material realities of like capitalism and the league's structure and goals right. of making money but yeah i mean it certainly gets at a worker you know employer relationship and i think maybe even more what draymond is getting as just sort of the optics of it and the ways in which yeah uh, the expectations for players are just, they're just constantly moving and changing. You know, we want them to be loyal, but then like, you know, we, but then all the Clippers fans are quite happy that they traded Blake Griffin after he signed a new contract because they got a, a lot of picks for it <laughs> right. and it set them up for right. the future, you know, so it's just a, uh, the goalposts are constantly moving. Um, so yeah, I, I think it was, I think it was well said by Draymond and yeah. touched on some, pretty great points and I think uh, something he was sort of getting at the end of the conversation was that what I mean I don't think this is the case in this situation um, but what if uh, Andre Drummond wanted to play even if the Cavs were like uh, (laughs) looking for trades right like that's that's also like a weird thing to just not allow a guy to play uh, when that's his job and that's you know that's what he gets paid to do and that's what he wants to do Um, and Draymond sort of touched on the idea that that might affect someone's mental health and sure I'm sure there's like material realities there but yeah Yeah, so that's an interesting dynamic there if a guy actually does want to play. Right, right. And, and, and that's a question this discussion rarely gets to. And the other piece here, uh, and you guys have both touched on it, basically Draymond was simply asking that NBA players be treated well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, that, that they, they, they don't get pulled off the bench to told their, be, and be told they're traded that way, or they don't get yeah. told in an interview at the All-Star game that they were just traded. Or, yeah, you, you and, know, that they, and that the conversations have a bit of nuance when they do something like ask for yeah. a trade or demand yeah. a trade or try to you know, maneuver their way to a different situation. Especially, I think this is something Draymond has said before, this idea that like, uh, we crap on players when they sort of wash out after being top draft picks, but we never look at the organizations and ask, how did they fail them? You know, how are their medical right. staffs not doing a good job? How are their coaching messing up players? How are yeah. their talent evaluators and coaches not putting their players in a good position to succeed? This is something he's been on uh, for a while now, especially as it comes to like, he's been, I mean, killing the Suns basically for like the past for someone like Marquise Chris, who's a teammate of his, who's clearly a talented player who just was like, not being used well I think is what Draymond is saying I think he was like a three when he came in the league the Suns were using him like a a three and he's a center now right right yeah um this brings us to another uh, thing we were going to talk about on the pod uh Jayshon Tate um who's having a pretty great year with the Rockets out of nowhere nobody expected this are we looking at another issue where front offices made a pretty bad decision about a player for whatever reason, or this player wasn't put in the right situation or with the right team or any number of other things? Um, any thoughts on that particular situation? I know both of you guys have been following him pretty closely in fantasy. Well, I mean, before we start the like the X's and O's serious conversation about basketball, Jason Tate <laughs> is just like, cool and i mean if i'm being blunt he's also a beautiful human being like (laughs) the dude is a very handsome man and just he's got all the vibes man like like i said in our group text he's like a six foot four power forward he scores around the rim all the time 
He plays with swagger. Uh, there was a game he had, I think, 10 assists when John Wall and Eric right. Gordon were out. He can do a little bit of everything. He can put the ball on the floor. He can defend. Um, he's got nice hair. I mean, I just, I don't, there's what's not to love about Jay Sean Tate. Yeah, I've got, I can't name a single thing, honestly. My only worry is, will he keep his minutes? I would love to see him do it because he's improving unbelievably fast, it seems, with every game and every minute. I mean, this is what I would say about the minutes. He plays with Eric Gordon and John Wall, who are quite injury prone. So I think he's <laughs> yeah. probably safe because they're going to be in and out of the lineup and Victor Oladipo. Uh, so sure. they're all probably going to be in and out of the lineup. And I think even when they have been in the lineup, his minutes have taken somewhat of a hit, but he's still been he's still been getting a decent amount of minutes. Yeah, no, he's surprisingly productive, even in those lower minute games where he's use, losing some minutes and usage to those guys. Um, I, I, yeah, I love his future. Uh, did did, for good did either of you take a look at his stats in Australia? Tate's? No, yeah. I looked at his so, college stats. Yeah, so um, he played a year overseas. Um, it was 2019-20. Um, he played for Sydney. Um and the, some of the, the uh, what I see as like anomalies with him right now or things that were like completely unexpected when I picked him up off, uh, you know, off the free agent, um, off the wire there. Um, he has an extraordinarily high field goal percentage for, you know, his designation for a shooting guard. Um, yeah. He's shooting like 50. That was the uh, same 50, in the NBL. 56. Um and he, he was in, yeah, in the NBL, he was shooting 658, 65%, 66% um, from the field. Uh, he actually had a higher field goal percentage than free throw percentage, <laughs> which was um, just, you know, a couple ticks below 60%. Um, and of course, he's got good rebound numbers, um, you know, especially for a guard, you know, he, he was averaging six uh, rebounds there and, um, and, and gets both assists and block or steals and blocks a little bit of everything um yeah in his stat line yeah yeah he he shot uh 72% on twos in the NBL last year and oh you're like that's ridiculous and you're like that can't continue well he's just shooting 63% on twos <laughs> in the NBA so like yeah you're right it didn't continue but it's still ridiculous what yeah. he's doing like Again, I mean, I'm sure there will be some amount of regression, but I think what you're seeing is a consistency, right? This is the player that he is. He scores around the basket. Again, he's 6'4", and I, I mean, I haven't watched a lot of uh, Rockets games, but he seems to be able to pump fake and, like, shoulder shimmy and fade just little and maneuver around the basket and get his shot off around much yeah. taller players. So I, I just think that's a, probably a developed or innate skill that is not going to go away anytime soon. Is there a well, guard been reading a better two point percentage? Is that possible? No way. I, I, I highly <laughs> doubt. It. I mean, I think the next closest has to be like Jalen Brown. I, you know, Jalen Brown has really, really high field goal percentage, and especially um, I think his two point percentage. Um, you can check me on that, but he's yeah. he's, a, he's at least one of the the, the top tier guards in sure. terms of field goal percentage. Sure. Have you been checking the notes on Basketball Monster about Jay Sean Tate? Uh, because I was really uh, interested in. Um, no, I missed what, what what they're saying that they expect to happen if um, PJ Tucker gets moved. They're like they think that he'll be the oh. starting power forward. Um, yeah, and so it's the same body almost. Real, you just <laughs> real, yeah, that's just like really interesting. Like yeah, like six four power forward. It's like. Also, in the like playing small experiment, that's a really funny one because you know you're taking out PJ Tucker, who's already an undersized power forward, and like going you found kind of, a like, smaller you, one. You, you, you found <laughs> a mini PJ Tucker. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's exactly that's exactly what he is. But he has more of an off the bounce game and more like creativity. Uh, a, a, a ton more, a ton more. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, Jayshon Tate is good. And like, as I said, if you're looking for talent on the waiver wire or young players, you want to look for juice. And sometimes the <laughs> juice will get the better of you in the case of Cam Reddish, where you can be enticed by the juice. And, you know, a player can't necessarily put it all together. Uh, but Jayshon Tate, <laughs> Jay Tate has the juice and he has like, 
and he's putting up good percentages and he's like has the game figured out in a way that obviously cam reddish doesn't right now i think he's obviously older um i think he played in the college for three or four years and then in the nbl so he's older he's an older rookie and so he's more developed all that sort of stuff but yeah i mean i just think he's good at basketball and he's sort of a modern player in that he's sort of positionless and he's big enough to be able to guard up or down positions um athletic enough to be able to do all the things you'd want so yeah i just think he has a bright future and i don't know how high his ceiling is i'm not expecting him to make an all-star game or anything but yeah like i think he's gonna be solid and this this brings me to another point we were talking about nbl stats like i've been hearing people be like basically everyone is doing the Lamelo ball retrospection and everyone is like you know either they're either eating crow or saying i was wrong giving their mea copas or they're saying i was right or they're accusing other people of not being all in on LaMelo ball who are claiming to be (laughs) all in on LaMelo ball now, but I've heard people, a lot of people say like, who could have expected this? He was bad in the NBL. He wasn't bad. He had poor percentages, but if, if that's the only measure of talent or ability, then I'm not sure if you're really like doing a full scale analysis. Like it just seems like everyone is like their argument was, well, he's he's shooting. Like he has like a 40% true shooting percentage in the NBL. So clearly he's, bad and I, and I get the logic behind that like it's a less athletic league but it's also like I don't know you got to kind of trust your eyes a little bit with some of the playmaking <laughs> and, and, right. and just like a talent and I'm not saying I expected him to be this good this soon I just think it's it's reductive to use that as like the only measure of like a player's future yeah absolutely there have to be a variety of yeah. factors in any evaluation and and some of these are missing them whether it's you know missing the quality of play of somebody like jay sean tate um because of size perhaps or um missing Lamelo's game because you're looking at the stats and not the game on the court um yeah you you have to consider one has to consider all of this. Um, we had one other topic on our rundown. Um, there was a pretty big trade in scorekeeper last week. Kyle, as the commissioner, do you want to give us a rundown on that? Um, you know, Michael, you were involved. You could you could go ahead. I don't have it right here in front of me. So if you happen to it's, have the the, 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 the particulars were uh, Giannis, uh, Lonzo Ball and Montrezl Harrell going out, <laughs> coming back um, and then going out using myself as a reference there. So that was me sending those players out, um, getting back Rashawn Holmes, uh, Darius Baisley and DeMar DeRozan. Um, one of the keys here is that Holmes has two very cheap keeper years after this, uh, 10 and 15. Um, uh, and yeah, those are the particulars of the deal. Um, there was some disagreement on the fairness of the deal. Um, I put it together with Chris. We thought it looked fair. Uh, I thought the statistics were pretty unassailable honestly uh, but that was not the reaction um from all of the league so maybe you can give us the other side yeah so you know we switched over to um commissioner um approved trades to expedite things um you know when you do league vote it takes two days and some you know we wanted the flexibility to be able to push trades through on the day that they came in and um but we always held the option that if a trade was big enough um, and could potentially um, raise any objections, really, um, you know, as I saw it as, as commissioner, I would like to put it out to the league. And so um, with this one, it was it was a lot of name recognition, honestly. I mean, you know, you're looking at the two-time MVP with Giannis um, and you're seeing the value coming back with Darius Baisley and Rashawn Holmes um, and what was the third again? DeRozan. Uh, oh, and DeRozan. DeRozan is a good pickup. The thing that I really thought um, for you, Michael, was I honestly thought you could have gotten more. Um, it was was part of my reaction to it. And as someone who, you know, um, who believes in um, in the league vote, the manager vote for sure. trades um, and the anonymity of it and the ability for anyone to object to a trade for any reason. When I saw that, thought that, and saw that another team would be getting Giannis and Lonzo, um, 
you know, at the at, at that kind of price. Um, it seemed to me to be potentially um, bad for overall competitiveness. Um, and so you and, mentioned and, and so my and so basically, very simply, just to say, like my response was that I personally would vote no as a manager, right? It, but I don't think that sure. that should carry anything as 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 the commissioner. And so, um, but I thought that because I, as one manager, could potentially think that others would as well. And so I wanted to kick it out to the league. Yeah. We ended up, everyone ended up approving it, which is, you know, what we, we more or less expect. Except you. Yeah. I actually never did vote, you know. Um, I, I left my, I told the people when I, when I solicited votes um, in our chat, I told them that I would reserve my vote till the end. I think maybe some of them intuited that I would be objecting to it if I was kicking it to the league. Sure. But I w basically wanted to say here, um, and as I said to the league, that that's not necessarily the case. Like when yeah. I kick it out to the league, I do it um, anticipating possible objections. By the by, the time I sure. came around to it, I would was actually going to vote yes. Um, Okay. that to go through because um end up doing a little bit more look at the stats as you were saying i'm not as that was um, my question did yeah, you run I, the numbers I, I i after the fact did run the numbers but i still don't back down from the idea that it should have gone out to the league because if your initial impression is that and if not everybody in the league has access to the same numbers then i think that you need to give them the chance to respond however they would respond you know coming from their own situation sure um, but the numbers did run very, you know, very evenly. I don't value players quite as highly as you do. I worry about Rashawn Holmes. I think that like the center position is really, um, it's it's just under threat in so many ways um, from what? a perspective. What? In, yeah, I mean, just like I mean, look at. Look, I mean, Rashawn Holmes did it last year. He's doing it again this year. You don't think he will next year? No, I, that, I mean, you think I'm, there's too much risk there or enough I just risk think that there's that some, you would... I just think there's some risk um, of, you know, that kind of center um, and they can fade quicker than what you expect. And I'm actually experiencing sure. a fair amount of it this year with Andre Drummond on my team. And I could have foreseen some of it. Um, but I mean, Drummond is, is started that, to fall apart last year. Um, yeah, but you, you could have, you could have, thought that part of that was his role on a team that was trying to get rid of him you know yeah, um, yeah. i think Drummond is like a different different situation i feel like he's maybe been in decline for a couple years and he's just like yeah. like you talked about we talked about off air the idea of a winning player uh on a winning team or a good player on a good team i don't think Drummond really fits that description um he's hasn't really been a player who's contributed to winning for much of his career and so yeah almost never you know, he can be he, <laughs> he can was... be sort of situation dependent and usage dependent and he's almost better from a fantasy fantasy perspective than a real life perspective because Absolutely. he can rack up numbers uh points and and rebounds but like all, all of those numbers aren't always contributing to winning so i feel like there's much more i think to me baked in danger with andre drummond than than uh rashawn holmes because i mean you're not i mean i don't know what rashawn Sean's known Holmes numbers are off the top of my head, but they're not so robust that if he suddenly like, like yeah, you're like worried that he just might be a completely different player. Like, you know, he kind of, he plays you're good defense. Him, he's got a floater. Exactly. He can finish a little bit on the inside. Yeah. So that's, you're picking that's what him up for field goal percentage, rebounds, blocks, um, you know, low turnovers, et cetera. So like he's that kind of player. Um, uh, and, and, and Kyle, I absolutely agree. I think you could look at the names here and be like, what? Like these, these trades don't match yeah. up, but, um, I ran the numbers, the statistics through multiple evaluators. Um, and I thought I had found a really sort of even balanced trade. If you're also figuring in the, um, future value versus the now value. Yeah. So Chris's team definitely got more now I got more future. Um, and there's a little more to it that, uh, I, I, uh, will decline to get into. Um, well, uh, yeah, can I, I guess... ask you one more thing about your well, the, the 
what you're thinking about with the future. Well, I, I also wanted to just also, mention you're you, betting a little bit on Darius Baisley, and I wanted to I wondered if you would talk about that. It's it's for the build that I am now in was part of why I took Baisley back. I don't actually think there's keeper value there. I think um, the real value there is Holmes, and then DeRozan. Um, if I stay where I am, is an important piece coming back for the build I'm now in too. Uh, and so there's serious value there from my perspective. Um, I also take some issue with the idea that I could have gotten more. I talked to nearly every team that trades in this league and almost nobody engaged. Um, the idea that I could have gotten more was a little difficult to believe. Yeah, I think I think I wanted, I wanted <laughs> so, to touch I wanted to touch on that too. And I think like I think to a certain extent, I agree with Kyle in the sense that like, well, there's two points. First of all, you already said is that like the name recognition in the trade suggests that like your first reaction is what the hell, how is, (laughs) how are Giannis and Lonzo ball being traded in the middle of the season in which I'm trying to compete to win a championship. I'm going to lose now. Like whoever's getting these two players is going to win and I'm going to lose. So I think like some of the, I think fear or restraint about accepting the trade was geared around that concept. And then the second point is I think, think objectively like right like if if a trade was an objective thing that like had some had more rules about it um or like again maybe this is a situation in the future where like kyle has the ability to like force uh some extra thing into it right i don't know but like i do think that you could argue that you could have got more especially given the thought that you might not keep darius Baisley, right because if you're keeping darius Baisley, or if he was at a lower price then i think you're you know you know wash your hands of it the deal's done uh but like at the price that he's at and not keeping him then it feels like maybe you could have gotten more yeah and it's also montrez was in it too you know, and so like that's just a lot of current production. Um, you all three. Players, yeah, I think I, I, all I three think... of those players were in the top 100. You know, and uh, and and n- only Rashawn Holmes was in the top 100. DeRozan, my God, look oh, at DeRozan, the numbers, you yeah. guys. Like, yeah. are, are you guys like like? I yeah, know yeah. he's not a big name, but go look at his numbers. He's no, doing he's a actually, lot he's better really than Lonzo well. Ball. Yeah. Let me yeah. tell you. So. No, 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 totally, totally. <laughs> no, no. No, we do understand that. <laughs> but, but I was just saying, like, if it's, I mean, but I mean, he's not better than Giannis. It was, well, but so, you know, the idea of getting more, you know, the idea of getting more, I think it touches on a few issues that, that managers in fantasy leagues have with trades. I think there's a serious overvaluation of, of our own players as part of it. Um, and I think, you know, just as human beings, we have a really terrible time with effective forecasting and how these things are going to turn out um, and how we're going to think about them when they do. Um, so, you know, I, I think there are a lot of issues with that. Um, you know, if you thought I could get more, what would you have asked for from Chris or what other team do you think that could have come from? You know, there is a little more keeper value out there, but nobody with it is willing to trade so, or, and most of the people weren't even willing to engage. Can, can, so let, let, let me lay, like set out the situation here um, a little bit. I'm, I'm obviously trying to explain a reaction that I had in an instant that then I had to, once I, once, once I made the decision to send the trade out to the league, to me, the decision was done and we were going to go through that process. Um, I, I could look back and say, okay, um, in a different situation, I could have, you know, called you, sat down at my computer, run the numbers and everything, and then just pushed it through. That's not where I was. I was driving my daughter um, down to (laughs) Bethesda and actually I was on the way back and I was in a strip mall in Colombia um, <laughs> responding to this because I had just seen it. Um, okay. And I was just in a parking lot and I was trying <laughs> sure. to do the best that I could. Um, but, you know, I did have one thought um, sort of immediately when I, th- when I saw it. I'm like, okay, you are giving up, um, you're giving up Giannis, Montrez, and Lonzo. And when I heard of initial trade ideas, you know, as in players, Chris was willing to trade. I heard bam out going, you know, floating out there. And I was like, Hmm, you gave up a lot. I'm like, 
why aren't you getting Bam? You know, um, sure, was, was like because Chris won't trade him because that was like a first thought that I had. And, um, and I mean, do you I, think I didn't ask? Do you think like that was what we <laughs> went through two weeks yeah. ago? Yeah. This is now after nobody, yeah. nobody engaged with this at all in our entire league. Nobody. Yeah, I mean, but you could get why my reaction would be that way. I mean, like I'm seeing. I'm seeing Rashawn Holmes and Darius Baisley, who was overpaid for in our draft to begin with and is underperforming. And there are just, there were like all these things. And I was like, man, I just think he, sh I, I was worried about how good Chris was getting. And I was a little bit like, man, Michael should be like, I know Michael's feeling a little bit like desperate to make a trade right now. And I was thinking like, man, I wish he could get more. Um, and um and like I said, but I think I functionally one can't in this league. That's what I'm saying here. I don't think one really yeah. does. Or I mean, can't. I did, I, I like, there's not enough activity. And, and, uh, yeah, and, I mean, but here's a, here's a place where I mean, this comes back to overvaluation of. Uh, I'm I, I would suggest. Like, I'm not saying that's even the best, uh, you know, option for you. But I'm saying that it was one other trade potentially. I mean, it was another trade, but I didn't want it and i didn't think i would do any better trading with you than what i was getting yeah. there like yeah yeah especially for like current value i mean at least all your players who you're getting back right now are producing to some level i mean basely leaves a little bit to be desired but um, well, I think another key to this, I'm not going to, it's proprietary information, so I won't get into it too much, but, um, you know, some builds change, some things happened in the trade besides the value that went back and forth. Mm -hmm. So um, there, there I mean, was more yeah, to it than people seem to give it It seems it like you're for. also <laughs> like trying to figure out how to compete this year, which maybe people are discounting or not understanding that like there's a mechanism for which maybe you can get into the playoffs this year with this trade. And I, I was think trying that's to do both things. Absolutely. Yeah. Like you, you've hit on it. And if you go and run, I'll give you another hint at what this looks like. If you go and run the numbers, there's one team who can possibly, who projects to beat Chris's team round ball rock. Or, uh, that's you. <laughs> and it's me. Yeah, yeah. it's me. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, I kind of know what I'm doing here. In no, hey, hey. <laughs> Michael, I don't have any objections. I was tell I was telling you it was a very specific situation where yeah. I was la I was lacking knowledge and I was trying I, I was explaining to you like what my reaction was. Yeah, I when think I had, you would have had the when chance I had to, to make it numbers when I had you know, to make a decision. Time, on it, you you know? would have seen it immediately if, if you But had... you could also understand how I in that situation there was almost no way where I could have just pushed it through. There's like no Yeah, I get I, I, I get that too. That. Though we have had big trades with as many big names as this that that didn't happen with so it was also a different thing yeah but also in all of those trades i came to you and we sat down yeah, and really right. took the chance to evaluate yeah I, and we went through those numbers the, together and we couldn't do yeah, that here Absolutely. i didn't have i didn't have the option to evaluate in this situation so i trusted the ability of the the you know the host of managers um in our league yeah. who are very informed to do the right thing and they did you know i think that we're all happy with how it turned out yeah, and I think the last thing I would say is like what makes trades difficult is like I think just everyone's natural innate desire not to sort of I don't know be the boneheaded party in the transaction and not look <laughs> back on it like oh wow you really just gave up all of this uh, um, um, and you got the the shorter end of the stick and the worst part of right. the deal and I think I'm sure there's some logical fallacy that's at play here where it feels easier and less thorny to just kind of if you're bad, just stay bad, um, you know, and right. draft next year and try to bounce back next year, as opposed to like maybe taking a risk, trying to get better, maybe trying to win or, or trying to tank. And then, you know, things really not going well, you know, because it's sort of like anyone can have a down year, but then if you come, you know, you, you make it worse, you pile onto that with like a move, then somehow you feel even worse about your decision-making. Yeah, true. True. Uh, I'm curious, is there something we can do to make trades or make trading rather more active in our league. You know, I, we, we've tried to do this a little bit here and there. Um, any thoughts on that? I just think it's a fun part of the game. I was and, hoping the WhatsApp thread would would bring people together and give them another forum. I just think that- It has people, a little bit. When people Definitely. are- in, Yeah, one of, one of the things, I, 
I wonder if one of the drawbacks to it right now is that not everybody has everyone's name. And so in that sense, they don't know who's talking all the time. It makes and, me hesitate a minute, a minute when I'm, yeah. yeah. It's like, we should just have everyone just, uh, you know, message out their name in a tweet, you know, or whatever you're going to call it, a message there. Um, and, and then everyone can store those. And then like, if you have a specific question for somebody about the league, you know, just Yahoo does have a chat, but like, it's just, nobody really yeah, uses fewer it. Fewer people, not yet, nobody sees and, it. And, you know, I just feel like, you know, another sort of dedicated chat chat app for a group like this might work well, but I don't know. This is all you know, kind of, we're experimenting. Um, I'm not sure if we have any other topics to talk about, but I just wanted to say, um, Garrison Matthews and Mo Wagner have been starting, I think, at least one or two games of late. I think, right. Michael, you picked up Mo Wagner, someone yeah. I was looking at picking up. Um, Garrison Matthews is averaging 0.9 steals a game this year, and he's averaging... On low minutes. Yeah, and he's averaging 2.1 steals a game per 36. Um, I don't know why I come on this podcast and give away all of my waiver wire secrets, but whatever, I guess that's the format that I've been born <laughs> into. Um, and so there you go, people. Uh, Garrison Matthews, 2.1 steals per 36 minutes. If you need steals, he's getting Keith Bogans right now, so he's not playing a lot. He's starting and then not coming back in very much. But if that ends or stops at all, um, you're going to get a, you're going to get a fair amount of steals. Yeah, I think those are both. Uh, I, I, I streamed uh, Garrison uh, last week or the week before, and he was very effective for steals. I think it helped me win the category. And um, Mo has some really great stat lines at times, pretty great defensively, um, limited upside, I think. But, you know, at this point in the year, more than happy to have picked up a player like that. Uh, for my roster so um, absolutely all all good advice and uh, and honestly you should just listen to Jalen Jalen is the person who picked up Keldon Johnson Jalen is the person who who did you I think you drafted DeAndre Hunter who yeah I just would never have guessed this would be happening to him this season you were the first one on Deshaun Tate you were like so I yeah. mean, see, this is this. <laughs> see, Danny Ainge isn't going to admit to this, right? Danny Ainge isn't going to admit to this. But I wanted Cam Reddish, so the DeAndre Hunter thing was a bit of a stroke of luck <laughs> because I, I had been reading about them and I was excited about both players, but I had higher hopes for Cam Reddish, which certainly has not worked out so far. And the price got too high for Cam Reddish, and I was like, okay, I. I I'll get DeAndre Hunter because I'm kind of high on both of them. They play on the same team, yada, yada, yada. And so that's how I ended up with DeAndre Hunter. So I guess yeah. it's good to have like a process, good to have an out where the price <laughs> is too high. But also, you know, there's luck involved in all this stuff too. It's one of the things I think that is great about fantasy basketball like Jalen you get to be more right than most people but all of us get to be a little right sometimes it's true it's true like it's it's so difficult I mean like being a national NBA guy like I don't understand how Zach Lowe gets any sleep uh, because I feel like I follow the league fairly closely and there's just like people or teams that I just like, you know, they fall through the cl- the cracks and I don't watch them much. Yeah. And then I look on the waiver wire and someone has picked up like a guy who's now starting because someone is injured. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, duh. Why didn't I do this? But it's right. just like it's not on the radar. So there, if you follow at least one team closely, you'll at least sort of be tuned into whatever the moves are for that. Yeah, specific. absolutely. You crushed us last year with the Miami Heat. Kendrick Nunn and Duncan Robinson yeah yeah so um yeah just part of the fun of fantasy so that is the shot tower pod for week nine we are turning off the phantom power cheers Water, 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 water